Hey, welcome to another live edition of the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Holzer, along with my good buddy and co-founder, Jimmy Huber. Jimmy, how's it going, man? It's going great. Yourself, Jason? Hey, man, I'm, uh, you know, doing well today. You know, school's getting ready to go out. Summer's right up on the corner. Things are opening up in our world here in Kansas City. So, uh, you know, a lot of good things to look forward to, man. Yeah. And by the way, I know you're excited because you got a, a former neighbor, I think. Like yeah, a right by our neighbor coming on. I don't know how much he'll admit like living next to me, but it was a lot of fun with him. We had kids about the same age and, uh, you know, he was a great guy. I was, I was really bummed whenever they, they moved to Houston. Uh, and he, you know, the cool thing was, man, he was always up for a good laugh, man. He always has the funniest stories, the way he, he narrates the stories. And you know, he was a co-host here at 610 radio in Kansas city for, for a while. And how he got there was pretty impressive. And now he's actually at 610 here in Houston. So, but he's living in Missouri City, Texas, though, so he still got the Missouri piece in it. Hey, the crazy thing about that, I remember when I was talking to you one time and we were visiting, you're like, you're telling me who your neighbor is. And I was like, man, I listen to him on 610. That dude's funny, man. I like the him. Show. You know yeah. talking about? And then he's off of Kansas City Airs. I was like, damn, what are they thinking about? I really like listening to him. So, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, the funny thing is, like, he was always out of the box. Like, I remember him talking about uh, Gilmore Girls on sports radio, and I was like, uh, my wife, you know, she loves Gilmore Girls. I'm like, dude, our neighbor's talking about Gilmore Girls and sports. I mean, so, you know, this his creativity is pretty impressive. So, uh, without further ado, we're going to bring Ron Hughley on the show. Ron, how's it going today, man? My guys, how's it going, man? I, I'm listening to that introduction. I just didn't, I, I, you know, appreciate it. Not a lot of people can take the understanding of the Gilmore Girls uh, segment that we had a lot of people it was it was mixed but it, it started to become a deal of man i can't stop listening to this this silliness i gotta hang in here and listen to this and it became a thing but yeah man I always appreciate it um jason was uh was great at getting um balls that my son would hit over the fence uh all the time. I would do mean things to Jason. Jason was cutting the grass one time and I was just start launching water balloons and he had no idea where they were coming from. And he's just looking up in the air and I'm laying down on the ground on my, uh, <laughs> up on the patio. I mean, I just had a lot of fun with Jason. So good to catch up with him. Yeah. I was like, man, is there a uh, squirrel peeing on me? Like what? It's, not, it's like a clear sky. I'm getting wet. Like Romo in the yard. I'm like, what the heck is going on over there? And then, <laughs> Eventually, after about 10 water balloons later, I'm like, oh, Ron's over there laughing his, laughing his butt <laughs> off over there. And I was like, oh, there's a neighbor uh, got me. Hey, you know, my son's actually returned the favor on hitting the balls on the over. So now the neighbors now are retrieving ours that are getting hit over the fence. So There you uh, go. You know, yeah, yeah. Pay it tables, tables have turned, man. Um, well, hey, you know, and so that's what I wanted to start off today. It was like, you know, we have a very, I would say, distracted world, right? And so, like, getting people to to – tune in to pay attention and, and for a long period of time it's tougher now so you've been able to captivate audiences in a time where it's hard to keep people's attention what do you think has been your biggest strength in doing that and how do we keep people's attention i i think um one talking about things that people are interested in um and and as you said there's distractions but there's a lot of things on people's minds um in the in the world and um presenting viewpoints and talking about those things that are on people's minds and and i think that i have found now it works best for me um 
but it's just to be real and honest on your thoughts and feelings on things and then be able to be accepting of hearing what others have to say about things. And that is a place where I think growth comes into to, to account where, hey, this is this is how we both have an opinion or a thought on this major thing happening that we're all, as you to use your word, Jason, distracted in. But this is my viewpoint on it. And then this is your viewpoint on it. Oh, OK, well, maybe you know what, James, I didn't know that's how you you thought about that. And, you know, maybe I could see how you get there or, hey, man, so I had never heard anyone with that thought process. OK, now I cannot kind of understand maybe where you're coming from. Um, and and not not everybody is that understanding. But I think that is that is that is the best way possible to be authentic and honest about how you feel about these things and and, and to be able to be able to, to listen to to other people's feelings on them. And I think you made a good point there of, of listening and actually like perspective, like hearing maybe some other because, you know, we I, I tend to do this. Like sometimes I get caught in my own perspective and I'm not listening to what the other person's feeling or thinking or, or seeing like taking a taking some steps in their own shoes. So, I, you know, I think that's the key is walking in somebody else's footsteps to build an understanding of their point of view. And it's OK to disagree. Right. But at the same time, you know, if you're that's how you kind of make progress is is expressing yourself authentically, but also being able to listen and hear people from the other side. Yeah, I don't know about you, James. I know Jason is probably perfect in this regard. Um, I've learned about it with my wife, right? Like in 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 in, in you know disagreements. I'm and, and many of us do this. I am planning my next response. I'm not actually listening to what they're saying. I am. They're talking. She's talking. But I'm planning my next response instead of actually listening to what she says or someone else says, but I'm planning my response to, I got you on this one. And, and that is, that is something, especially in my career in media that has been a help when I talk with callers or listeners or whatever is, is not to be sitting there planning my rebuttal, but actually listening to what they have to say and then reacting off of it. And I think a lot of us do that often in disagreements of just planning what they're ready to say as, as opposed to listening to what's happening and then reacting. Well, like you said, Ron, it's almost like listening to understand, right? Let's listen to understand. And instead of listening to respond to what's going on, I think, like you said, like even in relationships, a lot of times they just want to be heard. They don't want you to give them answers. They don't want you to tell them what to do. They just want to speak and they want you to listen and maybe have some sympathy or empathy for what's going on. And that's something I'd like to kind of dive in with you is, you know, social media is so big now. And, you know, athletes, even the business you're in of, you know, being a, a radio personality, um, people make comments and some to be positive and some be negative. How do you go about dealing with like some of the negative comments you get and to be able to have maybe an openness to listen to see if you can get better from it and what's not good just to move it aside, not let it bother you. How do you go about it? How do you suggest like even athletes and coaches and people that are constantly maybe people being critical of them? How do, how do you suggest they go about it as well? And man, James, it's hard. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I get, <laughs> I get um, hit pretty good because I'm, as, as I said, if you follow me at real run 
the show. If you follow me, I I'm honest about my feelings about things and I'll comment on things sports related or, or non-sports related. But like, I'll tell you the truth. I'll be upfront with you. We have a text line um, that comes in, which is pretty uh, on time of what's happening in the show. And we've had that when I worked in Kansas city in here and I probably get racial things to me once a week, at least uh, like in in word, whatever, at least once a week. Um, and I think the, I think you grow a thick skin, but that's not for everybody. Uh, it, it can get to you. There, there are times in tough conversations. I remember in Kansas City, we were having real difficult conversations surrounding uh, some of the Marcus Peters stuff, and I just had to shut it off, you know, because it, it, it was it would get to it. I think like the biggest moment that I remember, I had been, I had been in the business for three months, maybe. And I first started hosting and I was talking about uh, one of the biggest news stories. And that was Daytona 500 um, not allowing Confederate flags to be flown anymore. And we were just having a, a discussion about that. And someone came across a text line and said, I wish you were in the church in Charleston and, and that, you know, you would have been killed with it. And that like that like shook me up for like for like an hour doing the show. But like that was that was the first moment of introduction of, OK, this is wow, this can can take people. And for me, I've grown a thick skin to it. And, you know, I understand those people like I'm 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 not going to reach. Right. Like sometimes um, you just can't you, you know, you just have people just aren't willing to listen. But there are there are people who who I think, as you said earlier, Jason, just don't just aren't aware of the perspective. Now, as I've grown older, sometimes it's you're not aware of the perspective because you're, you're not trying to be aware of the perspective or you're not wanting to be aware of the perspective. But I can even work with that. Those were uh, you're not aware. And I'm not just speaking on their end. Also, my end as well. But if you are at least just it's a deal of you're not aware of the perspective and you are at least willing to hear, I can work with it. And I've just learned like there are just certain people you just aren't going to they're, they're going they're they're dead set in their feelings and they're not coming off of that. And I don't waste breath on that. But there are plenty of people who I think are willing to listen who just don't know the perspective. And I think I've probably pushed my energy more towards that. I've got to hold back friends and family more than, than myself when they, it was harder for them when they first started and I became more of a public figure, they started to see the things that people would, would tweet or, or message or say to me and it, it got to them. Um, but for me, just over time, you've kind of gotten used to it. How do you, you, you kind of mentioned earlier, talk about like, developing a thick skin you know you're never going to please everyone you're never going to but how do you how what are some of the strategies that you've implemented in your life that helps you develop this thick skin to not let some of those things bother you so i have the weirdest path to sports radio or to media but that weird path has led me to to shape that First off, my mother, um, if you ever listen to me, I, I call her Teresa when she's not around. 
my mother, um, she was she wasn't gonna have it any other way that I was gonna have thick skin. All right, she was a single mom that was that felt like she had to be a mom and dad, so she was tough on me and very straightforward with me, and that helped grow. Like there was nothing a coach could cuss me out or say to me that put more fear into me than going home to Teresa with a C. So like I like so I had thick skin from that, but then. Prior to and, and while working in radio, I worked um, for 10 years with at-risk youth. Um, I worked um, at a mental hospital with at-risk youth and um, helped kids who dealt with behavior issues, juvenile delinquents, um, uh, from cases of kids who have depression and suicidal thoughts. So uh, for 10 years and having work with kids anywhere from five to 20 saying some of the things that they would say to you and you gotta you gotta hold it together that really helped me you know with my thick skin and um you know i've i've had chairs thrown at me i've had kids threaten me spit on me kick me call me every name under the sun but my whole priority was I'm still trying to help you. I'm still trying to help you. And that helped build up my thick skin. So I think my path in life um, and working 10 years is in a big way. I credit that because I can I can see it when it happens um, has been a big help for me to create that that thick skin. How do you you, you talk about getting chairs thrown at you, people calling you all kind of stuff, whatever in front of you. And you said you so much you want to like. You know, like even in, in sports, like we get so emotional, we want to act out. And you're like, I didn't. I held my emotions in check. And so I just want to help you. How did you do that? How do you how do you recommend other people to handle our emotions in a way that we don't explode? Well, I mean, one, I, one, you know, you got to think of your family like that goes through through is like this is a way that I support my family and I can't, you know, lose it to lose that factor to support my family. But, and I think it also comes with it, even within the business with callers or listeners or people who, who listen to the show is, I just, I don't think it's hate, right? And I don't think, and from those kids, I don't think it's hate. I think they've had, they've been dealt a tough hand. They, they are mad about life. There is something going on with them that that they're in pain or, or or something and i don't take it as you're you're calling me these names you're calling me or you're throwing this like you're hurt and it's really not me and in some form or fashion that's what it is and i'm not taking it i mean it, it can be personal in the moment but ultimately like I, I i don't think you have hatred towards me you're just you're just in pain and i think from a perspective with with people you know especially like you know for like race things that we have conversations with like i think the majority of people who may disagree with my thoughts on things are like i don't think it comes from uh, a hate towards me i think it's i just don't want this to be what's happening in my country i don't want this to be the reality like I, I just, I don't want it to be that way. And so badly, I just, I want to fight against that thought. And I think that's where it comes from. So, so many a times I don't take that personal because 
I don't think it 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 comes from a place of hate. Some some people it does, and like I said, I've really learned. I don't even I don't even fool with those uh, those individuals. You're gonna, but I just think it doesn't come from a place of hate. Well, like you mentioned too, maybe it comes from a, a conditioning too. Like you know, their environment has created these behaviors, and now like they don't know anything else besides their environment too, right? And so yeah. Um, and I know, like for me, working in it, working with a charter school for seven years, I had kids that didn't speak any English. They would say things, you know, like, "Oh man, like you just had a, you know, you just got here in America and you've, you know, driven on a bus for twelve hours, or you name it, or whatever." And like you're here, and this is not your home anymore, but now it is. So it's, like you mentioned working with youth, you know, they don't understand a lot of things, and some, and especially their own emotions. So whenever they yeah. express them, like more times than not, you're just a person like. In the in the way, and and now currently I have that situation with with some parents at that school I'm teaching at. Like, hey, something didn't go wrong with their kid or went wrong with their kid today, and you were just the person that was the next, like the straw that broke the camel's back. I was know? there, yeah. And and maybe for you, maybe it was something that you're a, co- a topic of conversation that was like the the trigger point that had them just start spilling off emotionally as well, you know. So again, like you mentioned, it's not always us personally; it's just we are the easy target if you will right Drink, they so. kind of look at you like you look like a good little punching bag man uppercut here we go and yeah sometimes that's why you get that uh aikido though you just like, like bounce off you know go like off me uh, yeah but yeah well, like it's just, yeah it's it's you get experience of it and 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 i think you you notice just this isn't really ultimately about me this is this is ultimately about their situation. Yeah. That's the key, as you mentioned, Ron. I, I, I think not taking it so personal, because we do. Like, they're attacking us, but they're not. It's so much about, like, what's going on in their lives, whether it could be financial, be relationship-wise. It could be all kind of needs that aren't being met, right? And it's yeah. like it explodes and it comes out on you. And sometimes and you, you could be but- like – somebody that they're comfortable in and express themselves too in that way. And you, and like, you can get it. You like, for me, I get moments where they've come out of, you know, the height of their escalation and they're like, you know, and, you know, thank you, Mr. Ron, you just, you know, you were, I, I don't know why you kept, you know, trying to help me and you kept, you know, this, but thank you. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, you know, those things. I was just upset about this. And then you try to work on them about, Hey, let's use your emotions or words. And, and it gets gratifying for me, even in what I do now, when we have these conversations and I'll get messages or conversations from listeners, you know, I'd never thought of it in that situation. I'd never thought of, I never could see it going that far or it becoming that and you know i'm not sure that i completely understand it but i i can see how you get that way and so and and those are moments where it's like "Mm, okay you know that those are wins what are ways i know you in the radio industry being in there like so you got text lines you got stuff coming through and you have to kind of see these things right conversations you're having but you, you've been in athletics long enough to see like some of the athletes and some of the stuff they get in social media and, and coaches. And sometimes they'll just turn their social media off and not like listen to the look at the feeds because it bothers them. 
what are suggestions you could give to like athletes, young athletes out there? Is it shutting their social media off, not looking at it uh, particular times throughout the day? What would you suggest they should do so they don't let these things bother them and affect their, you know, even performances and practices and games? Um, I think this comes to a point of, of what I would tell kids that I worked with before. First, um, you got to really get a, get a chance to know you, know who you are and know how you're affected and like learn yourself. Um, like if we could use an athlete, Paul George, who plays for the L.A. Clippers, he is extremely affected by social media noise around him. Um, and he admitted last year in the playoffs, he was extremely affected by social media. The bubble was a real difficult thing because every he got closed up and they couldn't go anywhere. And everything he saw and heard was how bad he was playing. And he was so uh, neg negatively affected and he couldn't stop listening to it. And it just affected his play. So I think a big thing is to know you. Right. Um, and know yourself and know if this is something that doesn't drive you, that that can hurt you and doesn't allow you to play at your best or put you yourself at your best in your mindset. Then this this should be something maybe you look at at turning off. There are some that I think are like Kobe, the late Kobe Bryant, uh, Tiger jordan brady who i call sports psychopaths that those things fuel them like like that like that thing takes them to their best oh you said this i'm gonna prove you wrong tom brady fabricates things all the time to get himself at a certain level so if, if that is yourself and you know yourself and you know this thing can can kind of enhance enhance your play your focus then, then maybe it's a, it's a thing that you you look at, but I think first is knowing yourself and know uh, and know what it is. And I think it's the same in my business. Like my co-host Clint Sterner, he does not operate well when he sees the text line. He'll just start. It'll it could get to him, right? And he'll he'll he start get mad and he's lost. So he just doesn't have it open. Me, I get fuel out of it, and uh, and and it's something that 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 I that I, that I work better with. So I think know, knowing yourself and knowing what you can handle. Yeah. Hey, Ron, I kind of want to go into like, so you've been in a lot of transitions actually lately, you know, in like the last, uh, you know, year, year and a half or so, you know, you, you get let go from 610, which, you know, we'll, we'll not get to that, but, but then your wife is pregnant, then the pandemic hits, then you have a baby, then you move into Houston. So I want to kind of get into is like, how how have you handled those transitions and what has been the blessing in all of this? Like basically it, your life has been kind of been turned upside down and flipped around, but you know, you and your wife seem to have a great relationship still. Your kids seem to be doing great. You're doing, you've lost over a hundred pounds the last 29 weeks. It seems like it's been a, a positive for you. And some people, they would not handle this as well. It would, it's, it's, it's ultimately been a positive and we've learned a lot about ourselves and it's, it's, it's been hard stretches. Like I've never been away from my kids for that long. I just had the birth of a child. And then um, within a couple months, I had to move here for a month by myself without my family. And then the, the burden and the thought, you know, that my wife is having to handle this, you know, by herself. 
the newborn and all of this and, 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 and you know, kids under six years old. And, you know, it, it became it became difficult and would mess with your, your mind a little bit. But I think it it really it helped us grow closer together and helped us learn a lot more about ourselves. And we moved to we moved from a place where we had tons of resources. Right. Like our both our parents are there. We, we have our neighbors were great resources for us. Like we had tons of resources to coming here to no resources. And and and, and probably at a time where we could have really used resources. And but the pandemic was actually an odd blessing because it allowed me to stay longer. Um, initially, I was going to leave earlier than I did. Um, but because of the pandemic and we weren't they weren't allowing anyone into our buildings here in Houston, I had to stay and got to stay in Kansas City. So I got to stay longer and it kind of helped with the with the transition. But um, I think there's been a lot of growth with our family, a lot of growth because it's a deal of and, and I'm sure, you know, you are, are someone you guys have family here, Jason, but you moved away from your family. It starts to become a deal of we got to get closer with each other because that's what we have right now and i gotta give credit to my kids um it was a thing that was on my mind a lot but i've got some really resilient kids um my my oldest he he's been through such a weird transition he started he did kindergarten really loved his school then he had to move states and then when school started he wasn't going into school so he hadn't met any any other kids his age because of the pandemic and he's doing school virtually and then they go and start school and through all of this the kids never really complained he's adapted well and, and that, that he really has made friends with and um and, and been very very resilient so we've learned a lot we've got tough kids and we've we've grown closer to each other and through all the hard stuff it's it's still made us better and and created real growth with us as a as an entire unit you know they talk about with covid and with the kids being online and how different it's been and the emotional impact it's had are there things that you've done with your children to kind of maybe check in with them to see how they're doing emotionally and maybe some uh, things you do to support them through this time that you recommend other parents to do as well? Yeah, we regularly, you know, talk with them and, and just try to get their feelings on their level. How are things going? And, um, and one thing we've done is really invest in trying to keep, you know, things that they were used to still together. So they talk to their grandparents and like, um, we have screens where they can talk to their see and talk to their grandparents um, really mostly nightly daily they still so they still feel invested uh, there we've purchased everything to where they can still watch you know the Royals or the Chiefs and still feel like they have a connection uh, to home and and I just think regularly communicating with them even if they're in our case four and seven are still uh, a, a, a great thing and take seriously about what they say right and and talk and, and just you know try to figure out solutions to those things because our daughter would regularly say i miss our old house and we wouldn't just hit that with a, just a passing thing okay well, 
what, what is it about it that you miss? What did you, you know, what are, you know, what things are, are, are giving you problems with that and, and, and try to, you know, really have solutions. So really treating it like a regular relationship, which communication is always a really good key. It goes back to listening to understand, right? Hey, the one thing I do want to bring up now, if we would have talked about weight loss and we'd have made this a weight loss episode, we'd have millions on right now. I mean, I didn't know <laughs> we're going into this, right? You know that. So yeah. weight loss fads and everything going on. So tell me this, what was your motivation in saying, I got to lose weight? First start with that. What motivation well, I, I got to do this? And a lot of people have talked to me, as, as you said, um, I'm in week 29, starting week 30 through 29 weeks. Yesterday was actually a weigh day for me, and and I've lost uh, 103 pounds in the last uh, 29 weeks. Appreciate it. Um, I think when you say motivation, and many people I've talked to, that's like the key, right, is is your motivation ready or is your motivation strong enough to actually make you go through it, right? Like, you know, hey, I want to fit into a certain size. You know, for me, that motivation wasn't strong enough. Like I had had that before and that wasn't strong enough. If I had a bad day on the scale, then I would revert and hit Wendy's or hit something up on the way home and I'd, I'd lose it. But um, I think uh, I started to see some health things, uh, sleep apnea, was was starting to roll through. Um, I just didn't feel right. Like, you know, at times I felt like every time I ate, it was Thanksgiving after I completed it. And I'm like, God, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And then it was like, you're feeling like you're passing this down to your, to your offspring and you want to do better. It just like feels like high blood pressure and what was coming around and potentially diabetes. And I, and I looked at them and I gotten up to like 320 pounds and and I was just like, I just got to get right. And I had an endorsement um, with a low T center. And, you know, really, I was just going to visit to talk with them and, and to, you know, to, to be able to sell their company and their product better. But they do a comprehensive, uh, complete test of all your numbers. And, you know, it was my testosterone was low, um, sleep apnea, all of those things. And I was like, man, I got to do something else. And and I had another endorsement come my way. I saw a, a co-host or a, a co-worker who had had, had done, um, it's called uh, Soda Weight Loss. He had done it and, and was able to drop, I think, like 50 pounds um, of, of weight um, and really did it in a, in a way. And I was like, man, let me look at this. I want to look into this. And it was it wasn't like tricks or anything, which was good. It wasn't pills or anything I was taking. They uh, they they offer a product, but it's 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 oatmeal cereal and it's um, certain soups. And and there was a real understanding of what we were doing. Like we're at this this pace. Then after you hit your goal, I go to maintenance for a year with them. And it's like a teaching of how to eat and how to do it. So it made sense. And those motivations, the health, I believe, and passing it on to my kids seemed to be strong enough to where even if I had a rough week or a, a bad week or a week that I didn't like, this wasn't a race this time. It was a the end is you get healthier. 
right? That's the end. And in and, and times before, if I had like a, a week where I lost one pound, it was like, I'm doing all this work and it's not happening. But that wasn't what the goal or the motivation was. And when when the motivation was right, it seemed to to hit it. I would have weeks that I lost the first week I lost 15 pounds. And then there would be other weeks where I'd lose a half a pound. But I wasn't like deterred. It was all right, this is what the motivation is and this is the goal. It's not to look good. It is to, to feel good and be healthy. And that that to me was what the big help was. And and I say this in, in my tweets as I've kind of put this journey on is just win the day, win every day, right? And and and, and I eat right and I get my my exercise in and I do the things I need to do to just stack winning days on top of each other. And, and that has been the help. And I looked up and in 29 weeks, I've, I, you know, I've, I'm really close to what my goal is. That's interesting. You say like kind of the motivation, the why, because for me is people look at me like, you know, when I travel to camps and people around me, I mean, I eat a different way. I mean, <laughs> so like a lot of like salads and vegetables and different things I'll do. And, and for me, is I'm going to be 50 coming up, you know, in a couple of weeks and I have a eight year old and a five year old. So, I mean, I want to be there for my children. I want to be vibrant. I want to be active with them. So there's a why. But I guess I want you to also to besides the why, what can you tell like athletes that, you know, how it is. You've been a young athlete before, Ron, where you don't think much about it. You just eat, drink, whatever. You're young vibrant you don't think you need to worry about your diet nutrition things you're doing what do you say to young athletes about how they should go about nutrition the way they eat and drink and taking care of their bodies yeah i think you got to take advantage of knowledge right like we didn't especially growing up and you know i didn't even when i played in high school i regret it i wish that i knew more and 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 knew exactly how much better it would make your body feel and how it would make you feel. And I think in today's age, kids in high school just have more knowledge and understanding of what and how it can help. And I just think if your goal is to be as best, the best that you can in something, then that means everything, right? And having your body to be in the best position is meaning treating your body the best way possible. And that has to be as important as getting better at your craft, right? If you're a, if you're a, a pitcher, right, it, you know, keeping your body in a certain way should be as important if you if you're trying to reach your best as, you know, being able to control your spin rate on on your breaking ball or to throw your fastball and hit your spot and get your arm um, built to, to pitch longer innings. Your body should also uh, match that. So, you know, keeping in count of what your goals are and including everything in the process to get you at your best. I'll tell kids all the time, like if you had a Lamborghini, would you take it to Walmart and give it a cheap oil change? Yeah. Would you put cheap gas in it? Would you park it right next to a couple of cars and tie it in that they're going to ding your doors? What would you do? No, I mean, you give yeah. it, the, you get the best treatments possible, right? The highest oil change. You service it the best way. You take care of it. But your body's more valuable than Lamborghini. But like I said, we're putting, like, we're treating our bodies like trash cans. The stuff we put in our bodies don't have much nutritional value in it. 
that's why we tend to be hungry, continue to want to eat. We have no energy because all the foods and even like the liquids are drinking. So like I tell them all the time, change the way you're thinking. Think you have a million dollar body, a $500 million body, whatever it is. Because if you think that way and you only get one of those, you're going to treat it differently. It seems like, and, and you hear athletes say it all the time, like, oh, when I got older, I, I had to change how I how I ate or how I worked and did things. I wish I did that at a younger rate. We'll start doing it now. And you can, you know, over time, your your body might react better. Because some, some kids now just think, oh, man, I can eat some donuts and Pop-Tarts yeah. and still just go play. Maybe sugar, right? Just yeah. This, go play. Yeah, maybe right now, but just start treating yourself the way that you you should to get yourself at the top, at the tip top of, of what you can do. Well, as you said, it's a compound effect. Every day matters. Like yep. you said, I'm going to just win this day. And I'm going to win the next day. And the next day, it's going to stack in a positive way. Because you know how it is. I ate a donut today. I ate two donuts tomorrow. I might not notice it, but in a month, six months, a year, a couple of years from now, it'll have that negative compound effect yep. with it. So to yep. me, going back to as we talk about this, you've you're in sports you talk about it you study it what are some of the things that you see the best ones do like the brady's the kobe's the lebron's what are things that they do that you would recommend other people that they should implement that would help them be able to maybe get to another level in their lives i think um what separates the greats in my opinion um to the good or the the even worse is it's just mentally it's it's mentally being mentally tough in situations and uh, being able to, in the toughest moments, um, regulate themselves and, and mentally not be affected as much as others are. Um, and 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 I think that doesn't come by accident. I think that comes by every day putting the work in every day. Tiger Woods didn't just become the most mentally uh, the, the most mentally stable or best golfer mentally out of nowhere. It was every day from working with his dad Earl all the way up that nobody hits pressure putts or pressure shots the way he did in his heyday. It's not an accident that that guys like Brady and LeBron and Jordan in big moments don't fold and that they mentally that to me separates those those guys and i think it comes with day-to-day work on it day-to-day work on it in their situation so when they get into those positions they can stay locked in right just consistently being locked in mentally to me separates the greats from just athletes so that goes back to it's not just the physical training, no. it's the mental training, right? Yeah. That takes um, them to that next level. That's what they're doing on a daily basis. Yeah, I talked to uh, my co-host who was a quarterback for Arkansas and the, and the Cowboys, and he said, dude, 75% of the position of quarterback is mentally, mentally, and how everybody sees you, like how you can control people to follow you, how you can get people to believe in you, how – when when adversity hits, people feel, all right, he's got it. He's good. We believe in that. And people feed off that 
it, and especially at positions like that, like that, that part of it is what coaches and people look at just as, as much as, you know, you can throw a post or you can hit an out route. Like that part of it is, is really, really big and valuable. Yeah. I think like you're talking about so many more, you know, you, you, they do so much like looking at character, looking at, you know, what, what it is for them, not just looking at again, the skill sets, but that character traits, who are they going to be in those tough moments? Are they going to be consistent? Right. Are they going to be somebody that's just going to be, you know, you've been around it where people like if we're winning, it's good. Yeah. Right. It's all good. But stuff hits the fan ain't happening good. Then what are we doing? Blaming other people. We don't take responsibility. And I go back yep. to think about the Chiefs when they won the, the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Like I remember being at the, the 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 playoffs and when they were down, I mean, they were getting like beaten by, you know, uh, Houston and, yep. and Tennessee. And all of a sudden it's like, they just, you see Pat Mahomes is like, like we, you can see him pumping up with all we got this, continue to encourage guys, stay in the moment like Tom Brady when the Atlanta Falcons, when they were getting beat in the Super Bowl. And he's sitting there going, come on, man, we got this, we got this next, we just got to make this play, get this play, let's go. Like keeping that positive energy to reinforce we can do this, it's the next play, next opportunity. And that, that reinforcement, how you go about it, has effectuous type, you know, on your on your other players that you're with, your teammates and your coaches, right? And it's not fake. Like it's it's authentic. Like there are some people who try to do it and they'll roll. There's an eye roll. Okay, he'll do it. But that, like Pat was doing it in the Bucks Super Bowl when they were down. I mean, they were down, and he was still doing it. And 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 it was clear to me they didn't have a chance anymore, but not to him or to anybody else. It was clear, like, we're all right, picking people up, picking Tyron Matthew up when he was having tough um, tough calls going his way and everything. It's But it's real and authentic, and it is just how they are wired. And Mahomes is another great example of that. When things are down and, and, and when things get dicey mentally, he is able to handle it in a way that that others aren't able to. And it's, and it's very, very legit it's not there's no fakeness to it there's no i feel like i'm supposed to be playing this role this is what i'm supposed to do it just naturally comes out of those guys hey ron they need you in houston to be too legit to quit okay yeah. <laughs> think about it I'm, I'm just telling you right now you go down to houston right and you got the bearded man i mean he wanted out of town mm -hmm. right so he's gone Right. And that Houston Rockets, that that's right now. They got to figure that thing out because that's that's going downhill. Every everyone has me as a curse since hey, I've but I don't know. Hey, you got to come down and be a positive energy because you got Houston Deshaun Watson now. You got the Houston Astros, the cheating deal. So now they got and now you got to go restore. You got to be that energy, that positive energy. Come on you, now. You should hear them. They feel like I am the curse. The, curse. the show curse. Since I've arrived. Um Every general manager and head coach have been fired. Oh man! Uh, on all three teams, Rockets, uh, Texans, and and Astros. They since I've arrived, the GMs and head coaches have and, and managers have been changed. And DeAndre Hopkins left. Um, JJ Watt left. Watt. Yeah, John's on his way out. Um, George Springer, a very popular baseball player for them. He's he's gone. Uh, then Westbrook left, then Harden left. So a lot of people really, 
really push it on me that I'm some bad luck charm. I just keep telling them it's coincidence. Hey, it's it's the golden age. You're ready to turn. We're ready to replant the new age. Fertilize the new yeah, age. Right. And you know, build it back up. Yeah, that's why. Well, uh, they don't see it that way. Hey, <laughs> we're up north here. We can see it that way from looking. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Hey, man, as we uh, wrap up today, though, we do always do the lightning round of four cues with 40 athletes. And uh, so, you know, it's a quick question, you know, quick answer. Um, but the first question is, what is the best life lesson that sports has taught you? Um, it's not always as bad as it seems. Right? It, it, it may get bad, but you can come out of it. I like that. Yeah, like that, Ron, I've heard that like it's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. It's yeah. somewhere right in the middle, in right? The middle. Yep. Yeah, in the middle. And then, uh, okay, number two, uh, if you could spend time with anyone you admire in sports, either passed away or still alive, who would you pick and why would you pick them? Oh, um, Jackie Robinson. I mm. would just – I would love to hear the good and the bad stories. Just would love – to get an understanding of what it is that he went through and what what were the, the positive things that, that he was able to see and learn. Yeah, like Jackie too, like how he overcome, like you talk about the hate, the the negative calm, everything going on and how you maybe were able to block out the noise yeah. and let that fuel you in the way, even when people didn't think you should be there, continue to press on to make a difference in the world and shape it in the way it is today. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be interesting. Thank goodness they didn't have social media back then. There's a reason why. Well, ooh, that would have been brutal. Yeah. yeah. The uh, third question I have for you is this. Is what is the best advice you ever received from a coach that you've, like, you know, worked with, played with, played under, what, whatever? What's the best advice? Uh, stop trying to do something you can't do. Um Know, know what you're equipped, know your skill set and do it. Stop, you know, don't try. You're not um, Warren Sapp, you know, do, do, do what things are your strengths and don't try to do more than you can possibly do. I like that. The last question is this, is if you could have one life skill or character trait, you're hiring somebody, you're a coach, bring somebody to an organization and you had one life skill character trait you could choose, what would it be? Work okay. ethic. Work ethic. Um, work work really, really hard and 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 not being afraid of of going into good work. Um, when it just like my experience, I've worked with some people who just thought it's been cool to work for a certain radio station like to be able to say I work for this radio station. Um, and then I've worked with other people who like, who have a hunger to grow and a hunger to get to a certain point. And that, that, that work ethic is something that's really big to me. Well, Ron, uh, we appreciate you uh, being on the show today, man. Um, you know, miss you as a backdoor neighbor to, you know, I never got a chance to toss those water balloons back across to you, but uh, <laughs> Uh, thanks again for for coming on today. How can uh, 
people reach you, learn more about what you're doing, you know, what time are you on in 610 in Houston, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, Ron, uh, just give them, give them the information where they have something positive to say. This is where they contact you out. That's right. Something negative to say they contact you here. Uh, yeah, I'm on every day. Clinch Turner in the show from two to six uh, central time zone, two to six um, at Sports Radio 610. You can use the Odyssey app um, and you can listen to podcasts and listen to the entire show. Just search um, Sports Radio 610 and you can find Clinch Turner in the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Real Ron the show um and also instagram at ronnie h show um and you can um have a lot of fun and and, and see my thoughts and and the uh, craziness and silliness uh there um so um I, and then you can find other potential projects that's out there and um you can go to ron uh ron the show.com and you can listen to maybe some old stuff and and see some some other things um on the website that we have up there so uh, those are uh, those are the best ways you can uh, you can reach out to me. Cool, Ron. Thanks again for having, for coming on today. It's great to catch up with you, and uh, wish you and your family well down in Houston. All right, appreciate you guys. Keep thanks. up the great stuff, Ron. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Well, Jimmy, uh, a, a national spotlight for mental health recently just came out with a report that from from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. An increase of 93% of teens looking for mental health support. 93%. And we wonder why we're having some of the things that we're having on right now. Well, problem is people aren't getting the help that they're looking for. I mean, with what's, what's all going on. So, you know, I found that stat startling that there's a 93% increase in, in teens looking for mental health help. Yeah, and we've talked about it before, Jason. It's like, it's time in sports that, you know, sports are such a, um, you know, we talk talk about as an activity, extracurricular activity that kids want to be at. Mm-hmm. They want to be at baseball. They want to be at basketball. They want to be at football. And I'll tell coaches all the time, we have the carrot, the basketball right there. I have like a vehicle and I can teach them life skills of how to become better people to be able to handle these difficult situations to create a life they truly desire. But again, we can either use it or we can abuse it. Like, what are we going to do? Right. And I challenge like coaches, administrators, I don't care what anyone's doing. Try to be intentional about teaching life skills to young people we're working with. Because as we know, Jason, it's like, you know, 70 percent of kids are going to quit a particular sport by the age of 13. And a lot of these sports specific skill sets are learning. You know, it's not that they become obsolete. They just don't use them as much. What are they going to mm-hmm. use them for? Maybe play some rec games or play with some buddies here and there, or maybe they get older in college, play intramural, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but again, what do we teach them through the sport that's going to be skill sets that's going to use throughout their life? And those are life skills. Yep. Life skills to help them live the true life that they truly desire to live, a vibrant, exciting type life, and they're well, you know, balanced emotionally. So we talk about all the time. It's time to make a shift to be intentional, how they do it, do something with life skills to make these athletes so much better, just not in the sport, but out of the sport as well. I couldn't agree more, Jimmy. You know, uh, you learn how to have a positive attitude while you play baseball. You may never hit another home run, but a positive attitude will help you every year, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, rest of your life. So, And the other thing too, Jason, it's easy to say have a positive attitude, but there's a certain ingredients of how to go about 
like how to have a positive do attitude. It. There's things right. to do with your mind that allows you to have more consistent positive attitude. Well said, Jimmy. Yeah. Well, hey, another great episode we had here this week with a former neighbor. A lot of great nuggets of knowledge that he sent there. And uh, we'll look forward to another episode next week uh, on the 40 Athletes Podcast. Jimmy, sign out for today. Have a great Wednesday. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Chase. Take care. Have a great one, yeah. buddy. You too.